This episode of An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by The Great Philadelphia Comic Con, happening April 22nd, 23rd, and 24th at the Great Philadelphia Expo Center in The Oak, Pennsylvania. Hi, this is Ray Park. I play Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon podcast. Check it out, listen, make sure the force is strong. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. An Elegant Weapon for a more civilized age. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 194. My name is Jay, Ross Jedi, Jay the Jedi, Ross J.M. Clark here again with you in the L5J studios. It's so wonderful to be here. Kits, this is the week. It is time. As you just heard mentioned a few minutes earlier, An Elegant Weapon is very proud to be the official podcast of the Great Philadelphia Comic Con Our good, good friend and show sponsor, Stan Konopka of Nemesis Studios, has put together one hell of an artist's alley, one of the finest I've ever seen. Uh, Just balls deep. We're going with the best of the best of independent comic creation. Source Point Press, Dirk Manning, Sean Langley, Josh Dahl. Kevin Joseph, uh, the list goes on and on. Sean Von Gorman, Matt Miner. This is going to be off the hook, as they say. So please join me if you're in the Pennsylvania or Philadelphia area. Come on down. We're going to make some pod. Points of Interest Podcast Network will be handling all the panel moderation for the weekend. So come on out. Say hello. We'll get to know you. It'll be good times. We shall also be set up in Artist's Alley recording away. So if you're an exhibitor there, a guest, or a fan, please come by. Say hello, and we shall make some pod. As I did this week, the pod that I bring to you is good times indeed. I met this individual at C2E2 a few weeks back and had a fantastic time hanging out with the one and only Mr. Brian Lau. Uh, You may recognize that name if you're a podcast frequenter. Uh, He's been making the rounds because he has a wonderful Kickstarter on right now for his gorgeous, gorgeous science fiction book, Staunch Ambition. It is a very, very cool-looking book. I can't wait to get my hands on it when it is realized. It's got a very 70s retro sleek uh, sci-fi feel to it, but uh, also very original. Very original in a day of post-apocalyptic madness. So uh, you need to check this out. Uh, But I have one other Kickstarter shout-out that I would like to deliver to you this week. If you go to Kickstarter, uh, you will find a book called The Magician. The Long Day. Uh, They're not in desperate need. Uh, They have been funded. Uh, $1,424 pledged of a $1,000 goal with 27 days left to go. So it looks like we're going to be heading for stretch goals galore. Congratulations to the people involved in creating that comic. The comic is written by Mr. David M. Brown. And the comic is, in fact, illustrated by DNS, and it's lettered by Robin Jones. So please, go to Kickstarter, check out The Magician, The Long Day, 
Okay. It's uh, it's a story following an aging hitman through the streets of 1970s America as he tries to stay one step ahead of a sadistic mob boss out for blood. So that sounds like fun. Go check it out. Kickstart is kickstart is kickstart is kids. That's that's how these comic fellows and fellettes survive. So you must support uh, do that, the magician. So let's move on to this week's hour-long conversation with Mr. Brian Lau. Uh, as I mentioned, his book is called Staunch Ambition, and it is absolutely gorgeous from what I've seen. Um, we talk in depth about that and a bunch of other stuff. Brian is very, very cool. I had a super good time hanging out with him at C2E2, where we met a couple of weeks ago. Very cool down-to-earth fellow. Uh, lots of fun stuff to say. We had fun tossing back the pints. I uh, can't wait to see him again in Motor City. Motor City Comic Con. That's happening in May. Oh, man. You're going to hear a whole lot of that getting talked about very, very soon. But uh, as for now, this is it. This is the last you're going to get until you get a little bit of Philly up in your ears. Uh, I can't even begin to imagine how many parts this convention is going to take because we are going to be all over the place. Uh Guests at the con include Tom Kane, the voice of Yoda for the Clone Wars, Matthew Good, the voice of General Grievous, Deep Roy, uh, Robin Lord Taylor, uh, a whole whack load of Power Rangers. Uh, it goes on and on. Go to the website, uh, thegreatphiladelphiacomiccon.com. Check it out. And you can see who's there for yourself, including uh, An Elegant Weapon and the Points of Interest Podcast Network. So, there you go. For now, my chat with Mr. Brian Lau. And we'll see you in Philly. Asked you earlier there uh, if you'd read much Doctor Strange, because I myself right. haven't. So, the trailer to me looks cool, but I have no idea what the hell's going yeah. on. Like, I don't know about you, but what were your thoughts? Well, uh, I, I, I'm slightly familiar with Doctor Strange's uh, character. I mean, I know there's a few iterations, but the general ones I know. And um, first off, it just looks beautiful. Uh, I was really impressed with some of the uh, the designs of these kind of Inception-like uh, magical worlds. And I'm a huge uh, Coverbatch fan. Um, I, you watch uh, the Sherlock TV show, the Coverbatch? Yes. I do. I mean, I, I don't know I how do. you can't yeah. watch that and just love this guy's acting. So I think he's a perfect fit. So from what I do know, and I'm hoping that this is the case, it should be a little bit of a, dif- uh, a different kind of a movie than your typical Marvel movies, hopefully. Yeah, they said it was going to be trippy, and it indeed does look trippy. I know, <laughs> it man. It's trippy as hell. So <laughs> a lot of people are going to have fun seeing that movie. <laughs> it's going to be good times. Yeah, the, the trailer you... is, uh, I think the trailer was effective, you know. I mean, just, uh, but you can never judge a movie on a trailer, so you know, anyone can make an e- a trailer look good. You know? Yeah, or vice versa. A good movie can have an off trailer, and it just, you know, has the opposite effect. So I think thought i heard him so he's gonna be he's an american right in the movie dr strange oh, is an american I think so, yes. yeah i'm pretty sure yeah american doctor because i thought he's i heard him talking and i was like okay is that cumberbatch talking and then it occurred to me i hadn't thought of it before but he's probably gonna do an american accent for this movie sure. 
which I don't know if we've ever heard that before. I can't think of a role that he's ever actually played in America. What's the uh, role? I didn't see it, but he, he plays uh, the real-life guy who uh, gave over some of the uh, information from the military. Right, so, yeah, I haven't seen that I, one I don't know what kind of an either, accent he yeah. would have there, but it might have been American. I'm sure he could do any accent, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. Those guys, they're so, they're so brilliant. <laughs> yeah. uh, to, to, Tom Hiddleston yeah. just played uh, Hank Williams. Really? I've oh seen my that. gosh! It's oh, it's called uh, is it called Into the Light or Let There Be Light or something oh, really? like that? And uh, he plays an amazing Hank Williams. Like it's it's dead on. It's kind of eerie. It's like the guy came back to life. It's like one of those portrayals, did, you know. Or it's... did you see? Speaking of him, um, he there was some news reporter on some local news channel, and I guess they had connections to him. And then he comes in on to do tell the um, news. He's in a just basic clothes, but he's he's acting like Loki, and he's talking about his brothers like causing all this chaos with the weather. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's pretty funny. That. Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big fan of him too. I mean, he was a perfect fit for Loki. So, so are you uh, are you more of a Marvel kid than a DC? Guy? Yes, I am. I. Uh, I mean, I do enjoy some DC, but I mean, when you, when you're immersed in one of the universes, it's kind of hard to uh, really commit to both. So I pretty much I was uh, loving Spider-Man, Daredevil, X-Men, Hulk, uh, Thor uh, growing up. So, you know, I always find it a strange thing when people kind of go one way or the other because I find in general having to talk to talk to many people on this show that it seems to be that when you're a little kid you first learn about your supermans and your batmans and your justice leagues and your super friends and this is your introduction to to superheroes and the way of things then you get a little older and then you get to that age maybe 10 to 13 where you discover right. that there's beautiful things like comic shops in this world <laughs> You know, you start talking to your friends who had brothers in high school or whatever who collected, you know, X-Men or you all of a sudden hear about this Wolverine. And I always find that people had a, a, like a teenage reawakening into comic books right. through Marvel. You know, Marvel was obviously the much cooler books back then, at least in the era like the late 80s, early 90s that I was, you know. It, yeah, into it the, seems like Marvel gets that. a lot of stuff right with uh, just – more their characters are i mean as a whole their characters are more intriguing maybe a little more uh, modern than the uh, silver age you know or the golden age i should say yeah they're just so drastically different in ideas they kind of always have been the two companies mm -hmm. you know and it, it, it's a weird era nowadays like i saw this article where somebody was wondering if maybe Captain America is the most popular American superhero really? now, no. you know, because of all this negativity that's now surrounding Superman mm -hmm. because of all this incredible wow. nonsense that, that just went on crazy. with the movie. That Captain America would be bigger. Yeah, but yet with the movies, I mean, look at Iron Man. I mean, I remember never liking Iron Man as a young man because he looked like in he looked like his suit looked like one of those deep sea diver old. <laughs> oh, and I'm just like that looks so stupid. But then I remember the first time I saw some artist rendition of Iron Man with like this modern twist of just kick ass looking, the greatest sports car kind of sleek look, and I, it blew me away. And then the movie comes out, and look at where Iron Man is now. Yeah, it's 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 changed everything. It changed everything to such an extent that. Uh, 
I don't even think it's you can determine what's happened. I mean, were, were you a like, were you a big Iron Man fan or into Iron Man before the movie? Not at all. No. Yeah. Not at all. I, I had not some comments like, from him, but the only Marvel I ever read growing up, and I I heard a lot of things. I I belong to this little kind of comic club with a bunch of friends when I was in like grade seven and eight. So we would sit around awesome. trade comics, read each other's comics. And I learned tons that way about Captain America and the Avengers, but it was never my right. thing. It just, it would just hook me. Right. It wasn't my cup of tea. And, but then when I discovered Wolverine and the X-Men, oh, I was yeah. like, okay, here's something I can really, really get into because Captain America to me when I was younger was kind of cheese sure. ball. Sure. You know, like the whole idea of the Avengers was a little bit cheesy. Yeah, the Avengers. Days... I mean, I remember my brother. My brother, the reason I got into comics, it was too. I'm an artist, and I always loved to draw. And then my brother, who's two years older than me, is a bigger geek than me, had comics around. And then he he would dig the Avengers and stuff, and I just kind of would look at it like, eh. <laughs> I I get it yeah. now, but at the time, I don't know. It, it seemed kind of cheesy, right? Well, to me, yeah, because I don't think either at the time I, I I think I don't I didn't understand pulp. Yeah. Or good point. Uh, good it was point. also the same time in my life when I wasn't down with Batman sixty six. Okay. You know, it was around nineteen eighty nine or so, and Batman was coming out, and we all turned our back on the sixty six show right, and right. Adam West because we were getting first time this crazy new dark yes. version of Batman that we always wanted. So for a while, you know, now of course I'm older and I greatly appreciate everything that was done with the 66 show. Yes. But in 89, when I was young, it was like, please, like, what is that? That's or, or, not Batman, yeah. Like the Flash Gordon movie. I remember as a kid thinking it was just so cheesy and hokey, but that's the point. I mean, I was, now you watch it and it's like, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's just cheesy. Yeah, I didn't get the point at the time, man. I liked, uh, you know, for me, it was all about X-Men and Ghost Rider. Yeah. And, and on the DC side, it was still, like, it was all about Green Lantern, you know? Like, I was I was big. That was, like, my first real comic book oh, really? I got Green real Man? into was Green, Green okay. Lantern Corps. Yeah. Because I remember when I got my first couple comics, uh, in this area that I live in southern Ontario here, uh, cottage country, I guess you'd call it, which we call it, you know, like three to five hours north of Toronto. Okay. So we had a cottage and it was about three hours away. So when we would go up there, you know, we'd stock up on <laughs> yeah. treats and snacks. And I remember my parents would get me Archie comic books and Green Lantern Sweet. comic books for the ride up there. And that was the first exposure to actually reading comic books. Like I knew about superheroes right. beforehand because, you know, I was watching super friends and you had toys and this oh, and yeah. that. But when I really like read a comic book, I remember reading this green lantern and I had no idea there were other green lanterns. Oh wow. That must have blown your mind. Oh, it blew my <laughs> face off, man. It they was had to insane. surgically put your face back on after that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I remember very clearly, like, I have this weird thing where, I mean, for being the pothead that I am and the whole short memory that I have, <laughs> I have this long-term memory oh. like a steel okay. trap. I remember things when I was, like, two years yes, old, yes. and I'll tell my mom about them, and she'll just be like, how, how, how do you remember that? I, I don't even know. Yeah. I just, I like, very clear, like, pictures in my head and everything's right. going on. So I remember getting this Green Lantern Corps comic book and this Archie comic book because I remember we were driving to the cottage and uh, Your Strange Animal by Gowan was on the okay. radio. And it was around the Tears for Fears, Shout, yes. Shout, 
let it on out days gotcha. right and uh yeah and i remember just being so like so that is, is a nostalgic ever nostalgia song right for you a little bit i'll tell you which one bit, is directly man. connected it's 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 touted as one of the worst songs ever, but it's so nostalgic for me because it was the hit. And I remember my brother and I used to walk. We didn't have comic shops necessarily. I mean, they, this was when they actually still sold comics at like your gas station or the party store. So we'd walk a couple yeah. miles to get some comics. And then on the way back, stop at like Burger King and reading them. And, and uh, we built this city, I remember. You know, and I'm, I'm reading like the <laughs> Micronauts Marvel Universe and like the main character's hand gets like severed off. And it's just as like, a young kid, I'm just like blown away. Like, oh, my gosh, it's the main character's hand just got severed off. And uh, we <laughs> built this city reminds me of being young and uh, going with my brother to the comic shop. That's awesome, man. I remember when I first discovered comic shops because same thing. I bought my comic at the at the convenience right. store. I bought awesome. my my comics and my and my Mad magazine. Oh yeah, right? Mad magazine. Yeah. Of course, right? And then I I, I started collecting Spider Man Spider Man literally yes. maybe three or four issues before McFarlane okay. took over. And it was the and then I remember because McFarlane came on. He did those two issues with Chance right. on the cover. And I remember thinking to myself, why is he shooting barbed wire out of his wrists? <laughs> because of the drastic oh, yeah, change yeah, yeah. McFarland made to the to the webbing. I was like, I don't get this at all. So started getting into it and going backwards as well as collecting forwards. And I got to the point where I was like, I I, I didn't realize there was the wedding issue oh, where Spidey, where Pete and Mary Jane actually right, got right. married. You know, oh, with yeah, the heart and that. everything. So I was like, I need to find this. And my mom was like, well, maybe there's some comic book shop somewhere oh. around here. And I was and like, you're on, is, a, you're on a mission stores? to find a specific yeah. book. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. And my mom's like, you know, there's like, you know, stores that just sell comic books. And I'm like, shut up. Like, <laughs> that's like, what do you no mean? Way. So she drove me around one day. I remember we went to like three or four shops uh, in the area. And I finally found it. And I got the book. It was at the... The Comic Den in wow. Cothra, which was like and you 15 must have minutes felt from like here. Legitimate, and I you know, like I, you know, my hobby here is legitimate, man, because there's a whole shop just dedicated to it. Oh, dude, that comic was probably the most important comic I ever purchased. Really? You know what? Spider-Man like, is not my that, favorite. Not that I own, character. but just, well, not, not to own, but just the act of purchasing, because it was like the first major comic. It was the first comic I bought in a right. comic shop. It was a very, very important. And what a great purchase. memory with your mom. I mean, she's like on a mission with you. To oh, get, yeah. Let me get my son that comic. Yeah. I mean, that's a great time when you have your kids and, and you share that kind of a life moment, you know. Oh, well, she's like me. She's a bit of a completionist. Oh, okay. So, like, when I was young, uh, my thing was... Oh, really? really? Yeah. He-Man he was the... <laughs> top shiznit for me man i was all about masters sure. of the universe and i wanted everyone you could possibly have i had the mail in adam i had the i had so many and my mom got into it kind of with me because i wanted as a collection so yeah. so, as right. a collection so she would specifically take me around to like toys r us's and find the ones i need that's stuff, awesome right? yeah so i got a little bit spoiled with the he-man but i'm the same way with my kid now like oh, now he like starts so something fun. and it's well it's even cuter now because he copies everything he hears his geek dad oh, say. So his toys are not his toys, his toys are his collection. <laughs> yeah, little kid saying that. Right? Yeah, he's so got like he's a like, robot oh, no, like and he's like, "Come on into my study <laughs> with my collections." 
<laughs> not far off occasionally. Let me show man. you those latest collections over here. Right. Yeah. The saddest part, though, is uh, he's not feeling the hook of the Star Wars. Really? Oh, well. It's one thing we haven't connected on. He loves a good lightsaber. He loves a good lightsaber duel. But the Rebels, the Clone Wars, the cartoons, just they, it's not yeah. his thing. It's like superheroes or bust. Same, with same thing kid. with my it's kids. Unreal. I mean, it's it's not hitting yeah. them. I mean, I'm sure, you know, they appreciate it, you know, some more than others. But it's, uh, yeah, it's not hitting them the way, it, like, obviously for us growing up. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it was a different idea. It's not there's they're kind of so used to it because they were born with it, already, kind of commercialized more they than had we Jar Jar were used Binks, to. I guess man. you gotta sympathize with them. Yeah, <laughs> I tell you yeah. what, I remember as a kid too. This is awesome memory. Is not just the comic shops or, or the uh, going to the party stores, but I had a subscription to Alternate World, I think it was called, and so you would have it mailed to you. And let me tell you, man. First of all, when you're a kid and you get something like officially mailed to you, you feel awesome. But then when it's comic books, man, <laughs> you're pulling comic books out and you don't know what it's going to be. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have, you know, it wasn't on the newspapers. I wasn't in knowing what was going to come up. And just opening that box and pulling out, often sometimes they would get the order wrong. <laughs> but uh, that was like Christmas, man, I'll tell you. Yeah, uh, magazines were fun back then. They they don't mean as much now because, you know, everything's right there right. at your fingertips. I remember having a uh, – what was it? It was Fantastic something or other. Fantasticism? Yeah. I don't know. It sounds, I, I think I can visualize one it. Of the, one, of those, one of those magazines. But I remember it was the preview issue before Batman came out in 1989. Oh, the movie Batman? And, yeah, like, do you remember how brilliant they were with Batman as far as how little they okay, showed right. us? I mean, like, in the, in the ads, oh, in the commercials, well, I was in the previews. To what I was walking into, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely no right. idea. Like, you, you barely got a good look at anything. And this magazine came out, and it had full concept wow. art and set design and costumes, and it went really, really deep, yeah. right? And I'll never forget that magazine. But there was something even more special about that magazine. In the back of it, it had rumored casting or like dream casting oh, or something. Oh, even back then? Because I see, you see that a lot. Yeah, even back then, right? And I remember there was two I specifically wow. remember seeing. Because uh, one of them was that a dream casting would be uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Sergeant okay. Rock. And that was kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. Now, remember, this is 1989, oh, yeah. right? So this is 1989, and it was calling for an X-Men oh, movie okay. with Professor X portrayed by Patrick Stewart. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, and it happens. This was uh, 11 years before it actually happened, but it wow, eventually okay, did happen. Years. Patrick right? Stewart, they, like, was he bald on his... Uh... Well, it was when Star Trek Next Generation was like a year or two okay. in, so it was huge. Yeah, which was right? cutting it edge. It was yeah. like, remember how popular he was, like sexy old bald Captain Picard? Wow, that? I mean, it re so remember I those days when it was just a dream to have uh, a real legitimate movie on a comic book. I mean, I, I, I lament over and over about my childhood with the best thing we had was Howard the Duck. And, and so this whole <laughs> idea of these dream casting is like... Look at this cover batch is playing Doctor Strange, or you got it's like it's all happening, 
Yeah, it's especially with Marvel, man. Marvel Marvel nails it down. But I mean, they've got their formula so set right now that you can't beat it. You know, like in a way, every Marvel movie is kind of the same formula as far as the storyline. Yeah, that's line. kind of the biggest and, until you get to the well, just at least with the origin mm-hmm. ones, right? Like they do get to a cool point. I'm excited about Civil War, but the first of them all seems yeah, to that's you a know. Good point. We meet our hero. He's in a tough spot. He's in a bad yeah. way. Something bad happens to him. He learns a lesson, becomes a or, hero. Or the villains. Like I that, mean, uh, one of my qualms with yeah. these uh, Marvel movies is the villains are just generic villains. And it's like, other than yeah. Loki or, you know, I, I don't need to just see some big powerhouse that has no depth to his. Like, Loki is a great villain because. You know, they develop him as a person. You can see his struggle. You can sympathize with him. Um, so, it, you know, I'm getting tired of like in Thor. I liked Thor too, but the Dark Elves were, they just wanted to destroy everything, even themselves, for the sake of just yeah. being evil. <laughs> that's like, yeah, wow, yeah. that's really deep. Well, I'll tell you, they finally hit it off, I thought, with Jesse. Yes, Jones. I was I just. Thought- David Hennett, dude, the the purple man, that the was DC level villain, villain shit. In yeah, a comic book movie, I think I can think of the best. Maybe Who's I'm a better still, villain? I, 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 dude, I can't. I'll never get Nicholson out of my head, man. That <laughs> Joker. Know, there was that. moments. Yeah, it was it. of that Joker that were just spectacular but keeping with the modern era i guess you could say like the past 15 years absolutely i think that is that is in the tops of the tops. yeah sure. you're right like, i mean i'm not sure if that joker holds up in time as much i've seen it since then and it's a little i don't know i'm it's it's a oh there's definitely <laughs> dated parts to it that's why i say there's there, there's 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 moments that like what you know my favorite moment in that movie mm-hmm. I think is you know when he puts the newspaper down and he says wait till they get a load yeah. of me and that becomes a big famous uh-huh. line right and you know it's known as a big famous yeah, yeah, yeah. So historic that... movie line it's the very next moment after he does that that is awesome because he puts it down and he's looking around he's got the smile and he says wait till they get a load of me but then he just starts kind of looking around the room going oh I do remember that. Oh, oh, oh. And then he breaks out into this crazy laugh. And there's no sense to it whatsoever. Right, that's like out of the, the Exorcist most... or something. It's like, you know, what yeah, is it was going like on the most... here? Like... like you didn't know where his yeah. brain went for yeah. a minute. It's, it's you know like he just I mean? becomes like... possessed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which you is, know what? Now that, now that you yeah. point at the contrast, even though he is car- the, his villainous is kind of cartoonish at times, he's also – there's that really that's why he works so good i think because his evil is quite evil i mean when he's got people dying from smiling it's quite creepy so yeah well we've gotten quite used to it and a lot of the reason was him like when we were fresh to it and that was coming out we were like this guy's not so like you know we couldn't ever imagined another joker in any way at the time but you know, now we get to explore. Heath Ledger does his anarchistic, chaotic version. I'm really, really excited about Jared Leto, and at least you know the look of the whole thing from what I've seen. We'll and, see. I'm I'm gonna wait for my judgment because you know I, I was a little. I'm easily pleased by these things. Yeah, maybe like, you're not as like you're I love. I want to but... see DC. I want to see DC so bad that I, I will kind of. 
take it in weird ways. Do you know what I mean? But I have to admit, as far as villains go, they I really liked Batman versus Superman. I enjoyed it too. I I, I went in with but, low expectations because of the just getting rained right, on. Right. But the one thing I must agree was the complete wrong way to go was with Lex Luthor. Well, see, I, I don't know if it was wrong. I, I will agree that it was completely different. I can see why someone wouldn't like it because it really wasn't Lex Luthor that I know of. But I thought as a villain, he sold me. And I, you never Absolutely. know what's going to yeah. happen. But there, I don't know. Is there? Have you heard this theory that um, Lex Luthor in the movie was kind of schizophrenic because he was being controlled by – I'm not familiar with the DC universe enough to know which character yes. would do that. Well, there was this deleted scene they left out, right? Okay. And okay. Uh, oh, I can't remember the character, but it's one of the new gods. And okay. and uh, he's in that pit that Lex eventually you know puts Zod into and stuff. But right, but right. Uh, the new god is in the pit. Is it Mastermind or something? Uh, my, uh, it's, I think it starts with an it. S, and I can't remember. Oh, okay. Spectre? No, it's mm-hmm. longer than that. But he's got three mother boxes, and oh, they're all floating right. in front of him. And Lex seems to kind of be possessed by the whole thing. So I kind of get – I get the story. Like, you know, I wasn't bothered by that. I just – Lex is such an iconic villain and I've always wanted him to be – as much as I love Gene Hackman and I liked Kevin Spacey's Gene Hackman imitation, I want to see that Lex that we know from the comics and cartoons. I want to see that – Okay. I want to right. see that Brian Cranston Lex that they could have had. I wanted to see like. Well, what about Smallville? Did you like? Uh, that was closer I mean, to it for sure. Yeah, yes. and and yeah. Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum's a, I think just a great actor, and I thought that Lex was. Uh, yeah. You know, they developed him as a person. He wasn't just evil. Yes. Yeah. He was a real person yeah. and had a relationship. So. When I saw Kevin Spacey, in contrast to the Smallville, even though Smallville wasn't always good, when it was good, it was amazing. Yeah. And so Kevin Spacey, I, was, I wasn't I was sold on that one. It was too cartoony for yeah, me. Yeah, it felt like a Gene Hopman kind of impersonation in a way. Yeah, know? which is fun, but it just... Yeah, I liked just... uh, Rosenbaum, and I liked that whole portrayal. It was closer to what I would like, but I think they could have taken that even further. For some reason, it would have been nice to see Lex to be the senior guy of it all. They they okay. kind of made him the young guy in the whole tale, like the young, eccentric, crazy billionaire guy or whatever. I would have liked to have seen like a Brian Cranston or an older Lex kind of. I, I get. I totally sympathize you know with I'm that. But you know what? They still can redeem it in this way. So let's say you have this Lex who's kind of schizophrenic. But then in the next movie, that wherever he's prevalent as a character, he becomes like analytical and poignant to his evil. And so, like, I think that could play well because it would actually have more impact. That all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this guy is like, I don't know if they're going to go that route. But if he is being controlled, they could do that. If he was, you know, schizophrenic. Maybe, yeah, he breaks free and then he just kind of gets pissed off enough to, you know. Because as much yeah. as, like, I, I understood his plan, it wasn't the genius Lex yes. that you'd want to see. Like, I get well, that he's a yeah. tech genius or whatever, but no, Lex is the greatest politician kind of that ever lived in right. a way. That's what I kind of wanted to see. I wanted to see that Lex who was so arrogantly charming. Yes, you know you what I mean. That. You didn't that, get that at all. Yeah, that it kind of took over. It was just such a weird. 
weird You're right. way to go. You know, it was, I totally get like, it. Like I, but I. That being said, I'm totally cool with trying stuff. Like I will well, not fault the movie in the way for like giving that a shot because it's just like comics. How many different Batmans are there, right? Oh like, yeah. Like yeah, same yeah. thing with the movies. We're gonna get this for decades. They're gonna make more. And here, here's what I want to know: What's gonna happen? Infinity War is coming up, right? The entire phase four of this whole Marvel project is going to finally come to an end with Infinity War 2 and every character they've pretty much ever had thrown into these two movies. Right. Then what? Epic. Well, I don't know, but if they if they can have a good epic ending, right. that would be... It because would be... all these actors are not going to do this for 20 years. You're going to, after oh, exactly. Infinity War, you're going to lose pretty much every Avenger you've got. That was what was so brilliant about Days of Future Past. Are you kidding me? I mean, the way they intertwined the original actors with the younger actors into the same story. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really enjoyed that. I just uh, really thought that was a great movie. But I don't know what they're going to do if uh, they're going to re – maybe someone else takes over the suit. Um, like Captain America yeah. or like Iron Man or – Well, I'm thinking it will be – Super Soldier. I'm thinking they're going to put Sebastian right. Stan, Stan, is it? Yeah, into that role, maybe. That's one of my theories. But, yeah, I mean, you're not going to hold on to Chris Hemsworth forever. You know, you're not going to hold on to Mark Ruffalo forever. So, what happens when that phase? Do they reboot the entire yeah. universe? Do reboot. they start all over again? Or do they just or... kind of ignore those characters and keep bringing in more? The smartest thing they could do is be like, look, we threw $4 billion down to buy Star Wars. How do we not have another $4 billion to buy our X-Men back? Right. And that is something I'd actually like to see because as much as I'm, I, I enjoy the X-Men movies, I want to see way closer to the comic X-Men movies. So you, uh, you didn't – how much did you like Days of Future Past? It was my favorite of since yeah. the first. It was my okay. favorite since the first one for sure. Okay, and good. it was the I... best one done since the first one. But I would like to see actually Marvel get their hands on it because I think that Marvel formula would go really well for the well, X-Men. Who's doing the X-Men? Is it... Well, it's always been Brian Singer, right? He's but Except is, is for it, the one that Brett Ratner Marvel? No, it's uh, 20th oh, okay. Century Fox. Oh, okay. Well, at least right? it's not as bad as what Sony's been doing. Well, yeah. Well, Sony was smart enough to say, okay, here, have, yes. our, have Spider-Man. We'll share. Finally, yeah. Right, but, yeah. Uh, so you want Marvel to get a hold of X-Men. How about this? How about Marvel – you said that they're doing a Batman Lego. Great. Well, how about they do a legitimate major motion picture movie all CG animated like um, of a Marvel you know, story? Who knows? You know? Well, they'd be smart. Like, you, Do you ever watch the Warner Brothers DC animated features? No, well, no, I haven't seen those. They are the most brilliant superhero thing out there. Like all the right, all, all right. the Justice League movies, the Batman movies, Bad Blood, uh, Under the Red Hood. Well, I saw Under uh, the Red Hood. Though. Oh, these movies are insane. Yeah, quality. Yeah. Well, why don't we get something like that? With uh, I, I actually did hear they're working on something, but uh, you know, think about it. Like, uh, did you see Ten uh, Ten? No, I didn't. An animated movie. Well, that. What, why I bring that up is that was Spielberg's first, I think even obviously, I guess, the only animated film he's ever directed. But that was his first animated film he directed. So you take Spielberg, 
and he can do anything he wants that your imagination can uh, fathom. So as opposed to having to build the set and having to put the camera here and, you know, arc it around, he can move that camera and do whatever he wants in an animated film. So, like, uh-huh. that's why I want to see some kind of a major motion picture animation um epics you know film or something well it can be done because uh i'm a big Zack snyder fan to begin with never mind you know what he's done but he made that legends of gahul the guardians movie with the owls yeah it is a beautiful movie like visually it is absolutely stunning i could take a superhero movie done in that style for sure you know that that could be easily done so you know who knows what we'll get? But uh, before we spend our, our entire allotted amount of time talking about all these wonderful things, let's talk yeah. a little a bit about Staunch Ambition. Yeah, Staunch Ambition is uh, is uh, my book that I'm working on. It's a science fiction um, that's not in a galaxy far, far away, but it's uh, supposed to be like it would actually could happen in our future. And uh, the overall... Uh, premise of my uh, it's an independent comic book and the overall uh, story arc is one of my taglines is welcome to the new enlightenment so we have the first enlightenment where we have the scientific age and then technology advances and then technology compounds upon technology advancement to the point where through technology mankind enters into the thought dimension or into the supernatural so that's the overall story is the implications of advanced technology and welcome to this new enlightenment, the uh, supernatural age. Uh, and also it's badass. Oh, um, thanks. It is. It's really stunningly beautiful to look at, man. It's it's not what you typically get from your comic books. It is, you know, more what you might would expect from like a graphic novel. Right. And it's to say it's science fiction, yes, but it's a certain I was trying to think earlier how to describe it because it's 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 really original. Oh, it's thank it's you. Be, it's beautifully executed. But to me at least there's a certain retro feel to it. There's a certain 70s early 80s mm. sci-fi feeling to it i don't know if i'm off i don't know if this well connects with you in any way but there's a certain uh i don't know it made me think of like i don't know it made me think more of a, a, a more of a macquarie type star wars oh, do you know okay. what i mean like uh i don't know well more of a retro sci-fi vibe well, I, but, I'm not shooting for that in particular, but I, I've been told that it has that like, it has like that classic sci-fi. Uh, Derek Becker from uh, Comic Pros and Cons, that he went out of his way to say that this feels like a real sci-fi, not a mixed genre or or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, all I know, ultimately, what I know is the story is something that is uh, just pecking at me and just won't let me go and i'm just like you know i'm so intrigued by it and writing and and having these ideas so that's what really drove me to go you know i just have to do this i just got to try and tell the story because it's just it's I'm, i'm i'm just as curious as anybody to see how it all pans out 
Well, it looks like you spent a lot of time thinking about it. It seems very obvious in the writing. It seems like this is something that uh, was there a big pre-process to the write out of this. It seems like something you may have had to take notes for, rough drafts, or did this kind of free flow from your thoughts and ideas? Uh, well, there's a lot of writing and and fleshing out in note forms, at least this uh, sci-fi universe. So if you have certain technologies that uh, exist or how would that affect society or people's mentality or and it's so difficult to, you know, I'm a perfectionist. So I want to, you know, run over, think it through to every detail. But um, I've tried a lot to really try to uh, figure that that out, you know, if certain like so as I I wrote a lot and thought a lot about that to try to build it. You know, even in speech patterns to whatever might happen. So, but yes, a bit of it is still organic because although I have the idea of the story and how, you know, what I want to get to, and I have some of these character stories, um, exactly how I get to that point is still a little bit organic. It feels like scientific poetry. Really? In a way. Okay, well, there is some poetry in some of it. But, like, just as far as every word seems carefully selected. Oh, thanks a lot, man. You know what I mean? That's just the vibe I got from it. It's so it's so nicely put together that uh, you didn't you didn't skip a single corner. You know what I mean? You didn't you didn't cut a single corner. You didn't take any kind of fast cuts. Like it, it's really beautifully done, man. At least from what I've read so far and seen. It's you know, and it's got me wanting to know more because. Uh, you know, you've got this basic story, which, you know, to be fair, is not a completely unheard of story as right. far as, th you know, things changing in the future, going to oh, a place no. where, you know, certain things have caused certain outcomes. Uh, but you've taken it to this really interestingly organic scientific place of science leading us to spirituality. Exactly. The, 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 obviously, the some of these themes I have in here are just classic sci-fi, but... The overall, the actual end game that I'm going towards, I haven't seen done or heard done. It may have been. I mean, there's a million books, novels that I haven't read or who knows what. But I haven't, I haven't seen it. So, of course, it's, yeah, there's going to be uh, uh, connections to a million different science fictions. You know, the, the one character I have is Azarus, one of the main characters. He's a genetically engineered worker clone mixed between animal and human DNA. Well, these worker clones in this in this world, in this future, are created with no sexual organs and with a limited self-awareness. Well, that's kind of your classic sci-fi trope is, you know, he starts to become self-aware. But the, the angle I'm going to try to focus on more is not the AI versus human, um, but more of his questioning, you know, am I animal or human? Am I... Uh, male or female, I, I don't have sexual organs. Uh, you know, what does it mean to be human or animal or male or female? These kinds of things. So, yeah, it's a blurred line that you're kind of trying to present in a way. You know, a lot of really interesting questions come up out of it that I find. Well, so, I have to give, give shout know. out to Tyler Thaw because you've been speaking to the look of it, and uh, the main artist on the book is Tyler Thaw. He's a uh, concept artist for Sony PlayStation games. Uh, he's not into graphic novels or comics, but he wanted to do a comic, and I found him on a Facebook group, and I thought he fit perfectly because, uh, you know, I wasn't doing a superhero, and I didn't want necessarily the traditional uh, comic book style, so 
he's doing full, beautiful digital type paintings. Um, and we worked together on the layouts because he had, you know, he hadn't worked with sequential art yet. Uh, this was the first time, so we would we would go back and forth. But I mean, he's such a brilliant artist and had so much input on the story. It's you're on the cusp of something, man. You're ahead of the game with this because uh, I, I don't know why. It's uh, I, I've seen I'm seeing it happen a few places, but maybe it's that people are kind of just so bored with the same old thing. Uh, mm. Or artists in particular are being given more opportunities to branch out, but painters, digital artists, graphic right. artists, uh, really try starting to step into the comic medium, like you were just saying. Uh, same thing with like uh, Sean mm -hmm. Seal, uh, you know, doing uh, Nora and the Rot with uh, you know he's never done a comic before. This is a fine awesome. artist. This yeah. is a painter. This is a watercolorist, right? right? And you know. He, he, the opportunity presented itself, you know, he took it on, and these books are stunning. The same thing with Staunch Ambition. It's, it's, un okay, well, I can't, because of what I just said, say that it's unlike anything out there, but it's unlike, it, you know, it's like very little that is out wow, there. You know what lot. I mean? It's, it, it's different, man. It's, it's, it's something that I'm, I'm really digging on seeing, because, A, it's something new, it's, something really eye-catching and just something different for your eye to explore but the work that must go into it as well like you mentioned most of it is digitally done yeah then? Uh, quite a bit of it is digital the interiors and whatnot so and it seems uh you have a few people involved so why don't you go through the team and tell us who's all okay part of the so project. you're speaking to the preview issue and uh so there i have uh, Koi Pham did a cover for me, and Koi Pham's worked with Marvel and uh, Disney, uh, Avengers to whatever, and so he did the one cover. The other cover is done by me. It's one of the original drawings for this concept. And then on the inside, I have an artist, a brilliant artist, Erwin Arosa, who did the prologue to the story. I wanted to have a, I wanted to have a history to the time period and the, and the story that I'm telling. Because, like Tolkien did, I mean, he had a story, but they also had their own history, you know. And so, Erwin Arosa, and then um, Tyler Thaw, and then for the cover to issue number one, I was able to get Freddie Williams a second, who's right now doing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Batman crossover. And he is just a, right. a huge uh, a DC and uh, uh, artist in the uh, industry. Um, and let's see, I'm co-writing it with uh, John McNichol, who because I, you know, I'm not an author, I'm not a writer by trade, so I was kind of concerned to come in and just write a you know book on my own. So um, I'm I'm co-writing and collaborating with uh, John McNichol. So and then I have a couple songs uh, written because I had that right, yeah. right. <laughs> That's really cool, man. I like the multimedia involvement. It's uh, a friend of the show, Phil Buck. Uh, he has a comic book called Those Shadow People. Really? And it's kind of in the vein of uh, Gorillaz. Oh, okay. You know, the, the band Gorillaz, yeah, right? Good. Like The look of it is kind of in that way. But uh, he also has his band, Those Shadow People. So it's it's not uh, it's not like the band in the comic does the songs – it's more like a soundtrack type thing, right. like inspired by. Right. 
You know what I mean? Like the mood of the of those Shadow People music kind of goes. It's with the fun, mood man. The I mean, everybody loves it's music. It's so cool. And, and I, I, I'm not a musician yeah. by any means, but I, I had a couple melodies that I I knew. I'm like, I want to get these produced one day and work with somebody who does music. So I decided, hey, you know, I'm going to do that for this book. So you know, I took a couple of my melodies and collaborated with a few musicians. One of them's Elements of Cadence uh, out of uh, California. I, I found them on Kickstarter. Um, it's like an alternative rock song, and that's in the trailer on the Kickstarter. And then the other uh, song is a techno instrumental, beautiful. I love it, very cinematic. And that's uh, by Jason Conley. So um, very happy with the music. I think it's 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 professional quality too. So that's awesome. Have you always been an artist then, in in various ways? Have you always been into music and drawing and this? Uh, and yes, I would sit and draw for hours and then tinker around on my little uh, keyboard, you know, <laughs> little synthesizer, making up tunes, <laughs> you know. But I never pursued music as much as I did art. So, um, yeah, the graphic novel is more of my uh, you know, cup of tea, I should say. Right on. That's a bit of a, a bit of the opposite story to a fellow friend of the show here in Toronto, a Toronto artist named Sean okay. Daly. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He uh, he does a book called Terraquil. I've, but I've, heard, he, of I've yeah, heard of that. Yeah, he's only been drawing for like four, maybe five years at this point <laughs> really? now. And he used to be more a musician. He still does like eight bit tunes and stuff. Like he does like eight tune bad religion covers and okay. stuff. Like, or sorry, chip tune. You know, like eight bit okay. covers. And uh, but like four or five years ago, he decided, no, I'm done with music. What? I'm going to draw. That's crazy. Yeah, he starts within two years. Like just insane amounts of talent oozing That's, out of this guy that makes like, me mad like you, you <laughs> oh dude when i i remember the first time i interviewed him it was at fan expo in toronto i think i'd known him a bit online first i can't remember actually i might have met him at the cons first but either way i met him i'm talking to him so i'm uh, you know i'm assuming i'm gonna get the same answer i get from every artist nice. i talk to when i yes. ask him how long you've been doing this then oh since i was a little kid blah blah no two, two years. years what <laughs> like like not even practice he's like oh no i used to never draw you know i hardly ever doodled and then he <laughs> you would think except for that that this guy is so he's he's so polite that us canadians think he's oh, too polite funny. like he's just that good a dude you know right. and yeah it's it's an amazing thing and now he's obsessed though now he like literally rolls out of bed to his drawing table and he can't stop drawing. He's, he's, he's such, such no, a talented I, I'm guy. I'm sure but... it can be done. I mean, if you have a passion for something, I mean, people would often, I, I often argue the point that people would be like, oh, you're so talented, you're so gifted, and in a way where it's like I was just born able to do art or anyone, but anyone who does any kind of a trade or art or it's something that I think what you're born with is the desire to do it. Um, it's, it's yeah. like, it takes work to be a good artist of any sort. And if you like, I was drawn to it. I was, I desired to do it. So I got better, but you know, so I, I don't think it's just like, you, you know, people are born with this natural ability It's I mean, you just want it. So you acquire it. Yeah. Whatever the case so he may probably be for was anyone passion gets the prize yeah well he just didn't stop like he wanted to draw so bad he started and he hasn't stopped five years later like he will draw you know 15 hours a day like 
you know, he doesn't have family or kids yeah, at the moment or anything like that. He's just doing his young man <laughs> lifestyle thing, so he can afford to just draw and draw and draw and exactly. draw until That's... you know. Till you can't draw as Might as well no take more. advantage it's... of that while you can. Yeah, I have yeah, heard him on an interview. Uh, I've heard that guy. Uh, yeah, I've heard that Sean because I remember yeah. hearing that. Like, I've been drawing for like two years. I'm like, what? Mm. Yeah, well, he's been on my show a bunch, and he started to get around. I think, uh, I think word of him kind of came along with me when I started going out to Motor City the past couple right. of years. And just kind of people started, you know, it's weird to have this, you know, little contingency of people in Michigan who like my show. That's cool. So, you know, they kind of heard of Sean Daly. And plus a few, you know, Derek Becker, yeah. as you were mentioning, you know, a great pal of mine, Derek. You know, he comes up for Fan Expo every yeah. year, or at least the past couple years. Make it so, up you know, like, he, well, a few of the people are, you know, uh, like two years ago, there was a really good Michigan contingency okay. that came up. It was, uh, uh, Fosgit, JJ cool. Cott, Tony Maiello, nice. you know, last year Josh Werner oh, was yeah, there. Uh, you know, well, Fozzie's up here yeah. all the time. Jay Fosgit wishes he was Canadian more than life itself, right, you right. know. So he's got a real hard on for the Can- Canadiana. Cool. <laughs> but, you know, I'm always saying it's, it's if you want to experience a, like an epic monster con and you can't get to New York or San Diego, Toronto's the next spot. I got to do that. You know, it's. It's 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 and we're also lucky here in the amount of shows we have, because like Southern Ontario is a it's a very uh, culture rich area as far as Toronto right. like just art colleges and schools right. and museums Beautiful. and galleries and you know Comic Con's going on all the time well, like you know, week right? after week and, out, yeah, so. yeah absolutely I could recommend quite a quite a good few so uh, speaking of first issues coming out and Kickstarters uh, presently in action why don't you tell us a little bit about any rewards that are going on in the Kickstarter and such what what can people get themselves if they want to support well they can get the uh, uh, first issue um, there's the uh, 20 uh, what is it 24 page first issue and then through Kickstarter I'm also offering an exclusive 40 page that will only be sold through Kickstarter. So I'm not selling at conventions or outside of Kickstarter. So, um, you know, it, Kickstarter is a scary proposition and uh, stressful. So, you know, I'm like, you know, I, I, I got to have something that where people are a part of this book and they get something that you can only get if they uh, believe in it and they want to support it. So I also have some um, you can have your face on a character in the book, which is a common uh, reward for people. But this one is going to be good and uh, to see what happens to you in uh, issue two. Um, I just got Koi Fam, who did the cover for me, said he'll do a sketch. So I just put that reward up. It's only a first come, first serve option there. So uh, I have the music, and I'm cross-promoting with a... Uh, uh, another beautiful comic called Jaded by Iron Age Comics, and I I wouldn't be cross promoting with them if I didn't think it was uh, great work. And so you'll with some of the rewards you'll be able to get two of his issues uh, digitally. So uh, I have shirts and uh, some other rewards as well. So that's something that uh, is gonna. I think what I'm down to like like two weeks left. So. I spent a long time on this book and Kickstarter, so I'd appreciate it if people just come by and at least just give it a look, share it. And yeah, of course, get on there, people, and uh, support the stuff. Get it in your mind, because 
uh, Brian, I'm sure you, like, you know, many other artists I've had on this show, uh, whether successful or not, it won't be the end of the book, no, I'm sure. No, no, no. So, We're going to make know, it work. You, you, yeah, it's, uh, it, it needs to be done. Uh, wow, that was one of the quickest hours I've done in a while, <laughs> sir. It's uh, good times chatting indeed. I'm glad we finally got the opportunity to sit down and do I this. Know, you know, you, uh, C2E2 and uh, just you know, listening to you for a while, it's good, man. I, I look forward to seeing you at the next show and then maybe uh, doing another uh, pod. Of course. What else you got Motor coming City up? Motor City is the uh, big thing here. So I, I, oh, hell oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be seeing you there, right? So yeah. the... Um, the, I made sure that the uh, Kickstarter ends two weeks before, so I can get the issue one printed as well. So, but I'm not getting Absolutely. it printed unless I don't unless this Kickstarter goes well. So, yeah, 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 understandable. People get out there and support support comic books because seriously, uh, with there's not a lot of sci-fi going on at least good original off the cuff sci-fi and this looks like it will be so kids you have to support this i really want to see this do well i want to see this continue because i most of all want to see where this goes um because it just looks stunning it looks original yet like i said there's something there that reminds you of a good time in sci-fi when things were were sleek and beautiful and not just like war-driven apocalyptic futures no. you know there's 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 much more to this. It's it, it, it's it's gorgeous, stunning artwork, and uh, I want to I, I want to know I want to know what it's all about. So uh, Motor City, man, uh, I'm going to be set up. At oh Motor really? City Comic What's Con. that table? Yes, uh, yeah. Derek and I, Comic Pros and Cons, we are going to be splitting a table in Artist Awesome. Town. I'll be in there too. So I expect you to come by, sure sir. And uh, what was your friend's name at C2E2? Um, John. Oh, uh, my friend Jeff. Uh, yeah, Jeff is a, a longtime friend I've been working with at my day job. And, uh, yeah, Jeff Woods. And he's been a big help behind the scenes with just, uh, you know, um, checking over my grammar and stuff like that as I'm promoting it. And he just helps me on so many levels. So, yeah, Jeff Woods. That's awesome. Yeah, I just wanted to give him a shout yeah, out, man. It was, cool. it was uh, you guys were both awesome getting to know you guys at C two E. He may come up to Motor City, so I'll tell him you uh, mentioned right him, on. So. It would be a pleasure indeed to see him again, as it will be to see you, sir, uh, Brian. Uh, staunch ambition—that's all it is on. Kids yeah, go to you know type staunch people. Some people are like, "What is staunch?" Is a launch? It's like st. It's the same as launch. It sounds <laughs> Wait, really people have over and over. And I was like, uh, I you know I'm no uh, linguist, but uh, uh, the word staunch is is not that <laughs> unusual. But yeah, staunch s t a u n c h ambition. And you can get to there from uh, the Facebook, from Google. You can get to the website. There's links. You know, go to Kickstarter and then just uh, type in Staunch Ambition. Oh, uh, right. Uh, Brian, oh, Staunch Ambition, Kickstarter Kids. Seriously, this is good shit. Go support. Thanks. Check it out. Uh, Motor City Comic Con will be there. And, of course, next week, kids, the great Philadelphia Comic Con will be there having good times with all our family and friends. Uh, until then, that is all we are going to have this week on an elegant weapon. Take it easy.